I remember when they opened up a Krispy Kreme by me, I would, I would pound a six pack on the way to work. <laughs> Go through that drive through man. Get with the, the donuts? Straight out of the whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> Conveyor belt, deep fryer, however they did it, man. I was like, you know what? That Boston cream, the spirit is willing, but the flesh <laughs> is weak, dude. <laughs> behavior modification oriented american christianity <laughs> what about those 50 pounds oh yeah dude i got started on that this morning um there was a chocolate glazed donut oh, in really, the box really quick and it's, i picked it's i picked morning right now. one <laughs> so i went i went fruit dude from fruit. fruit okay i was like you know what that boston cream the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, dude. I remember when they opened up a Krispy Kreme by me, I would, I would pound a six pack on the way to work. <laughs> Go through that drive through man. Get with the, the donuts? Water, straight out of the whatever. I don't even know. Conveyor belt, deep fryer, however they did it, man. You'd get sick. I'd pound a six pack and they would go down like so easy. Yeah, man. Yeah. The good old days. The, those and the dumb. I wasn't 38 and 258 <laughs> pounds. I thought I could eat whatever I wanted. Well, you're all right, man. I mean, you are like 6'2", so it's, it's, not, it's not like you're 5'9", <laughs> you're 258 pounds. But if you were. Not like I'm 5'2". Right. Like 5'2". Some like, people. Like some people. Like our, like our new producer. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to introduce as with us today the Enneagram Yoda of America, the Dr. Dre of the slowdown, <laughs> Ryan Mayfield. Ryan Mayfield. Ryan, dude, we're glad to have you on here, man. Tell tell our audience, man. Tell us who you are. Well, the first thing to clarify is that I'm a solid like five five and a half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just I need you know, the world sure to know. You're sure we add half inches to your numbers. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's all depending on what shoes I got, man. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I got. I'm I like got, five five and three eighths. Okay. <laughs> no, but seriously, Rudy, tell us who you are. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. This is not what I thought I had signed up for. <laughs> all right, well. I'll actually introduce myself. Uh, I'm Ryan Mayfield. Uh, I live in Conway, Arkansas with my wife and uh, do a few different things here. I'm the director of operations for a local church here called City Church. Uh, I also run a business consulting company called Table Talk Development. Uh, we do kind of Enneagram training, uh, relational and leadership development. Uh, and then I'm helping out the Table Network doing some operation stuff as well. Amen, dude. Training with us, right? Loving people, discipling people, mm. um, jumping in with operations with us, a number of other things. Table talk development, folks, check it out. Ryan is definitely the, uh, 
Yeah, no pun intended, man, but you're definitely the Yoda of the Enneagram world. Super helpful to all of us. We also have another introduction to talk about. Dude, how dope is that intro music? It's good stuff, man. Really, really quick, shout out to Stephen Burkholder, buddy of mine. Um, we were on staff at a couple of churches together. Uh, definitely become good friends over the years. He's got a band called War on Peace, and uh, he whipped up that intro music for us. And so really, really thankful for Stephen for that. And there's another story connected to Table Network and, and Stephen and War on Peace because um, a certain person on this podcast got themselves featured on a new EP for the War on Peace, Disappearing Magic. Russ, you want to tell that story? Yeah, buddy. Got this text a few months back from a guy named Steven. Says, hey, uh, mutual friend here, Tony Sorcy. Saw, uh, saw on Instagram a picture of you and your wife apparently from like a ninth grade dance. And I'm like, yeah, dude. Um, you know, 25 years ago, we went on our first date this past April. And it was to a, to a dance in, in, in Tampa where we grew up. And so, man, we got the tux on, right? I got the tux on and she's all dolled up and we're kind of, somebody snaps this picture of the two of us in the back of a limousine that was rented with us and a bunch of friends. And anyways, dug it out, dude, posted it and get this call from him. And he goes, hey, man, just out of curiosity, could we use that picture as the front of our new, you know, EP? And I was like, no way, dude. No, I don't, I don't want, I don't want the fame, man, that comes with that. <laughs> Such a cool story and a, a neat picture. Um, and the EP is great too. So go ahead and check it out. The War on Peace, Disappearing Magic. And you'll check out the, uh, the freshman blue steel version of Russ <laughs> on the front of that thing. Yeah, buddy. That's a cool story. We had to, we had to share that one. So uh, what are we getting into today, huh? What are we getting into? Well, Today, man, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be picking up where we left off in last week's episode. So we got a chance to talk about just the power of language to kick season two off. Uh, spoke about the like the blue square moments where language allows us to see something that's oftentimes hiding in plain sight. The light bulb moments, the aha yeah. moment. And so, just in the spirit of that, we're picking up with uh, truth number one. You know, in, in our reclaim journey, a training, a resource that we offer as a network. And it's just this question of, of who is Jesus? That's where we are today. And I mean, I think for a number of us, man, like the word Jesus can sometimes be a controversial name, depending on where you are in the world. I mean, there's definitely been a lot of tears and blood that have been shed right over this simple name. And there can be a lot of emotions that can be charged to it, that can carry a lot of baggage, depending on just what you've encountered or experienced in the name of, of God and church that was handed to you. And so for us, we just thought it'd be really helpful, right? To just a few years back when the network got started to go, man, I don't, it doesn't matter if you're a church leader, church planter, church member, or somebody that's been burnt or burnt out in the name of church who walked away or somebody who's never been, but the conversation for everything really begins with this look at not, not what everyone around you is often saying about who Jesus is, but what Jesus himself actually declared about who he is. Mm what the scriptures say, right, about this. And so we just, you know, to kick things off here, we're going we're gonna to dive in. That's uh, Colossians chapter 1. It's definitely played a key role for us as a network in, in kicking this conversation off. So when this question comes up of who is Jesus, we often start by just explaining the historical narrative, right, this discussion um, around who he is and the ramifications that would come about if 
it is true what we find in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20, it says, He, speaking to Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And it says that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Over and over and over, Paul says all things, and we're pretty convinced that he actually just means all things, as in everything in existence, past, present, and future. It says here, was and is created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. In other words, by his mere desire, the entire universe was created and is sustained. And, and Paul addresses this, um, you know, uh, to, 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 a, to an assembly of intellectuals and philosophers that we find, you know, in Acts chapter 17, where, where he goes on and says, in him, as in, in Jesus, we all live and move and have our very being. Yeah. So this makes sense that he would be this, right? When we look at verse 15, and it plainly says that he's the image of the invisible God. If you're wondering what God's like, if you're wondering who he is, what he's about, what he's done, what he can do, look to Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. And we see all this tie together, and this starts to paint a, a much deeper, bigger, broader picture of who Jesus is than sometimes this typical, oh, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, he's the son of God that came, and and like he taught us all some things so that we could change the world. Or we can even see people go further and say, oh, no, 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 he's the son of God who died, you know, for the sins of the world and, and was buried and rose again on the third day so that we might have life. And amen for that. We would agree with that. But sometimes we, we can limit him, right, to just that. And I think that Jesus and, and the epistles seem to, to paint a much deeper, bigger, again, broader picture of this, as we're seeing right here. We see the same thing in John 1, uh, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And it goes on in John 1 to say that this word that was in the beginning that was face-to-face -face with, with God um, actually is God and became flesh at a certain point in time. Like God kind of made his way down to us. God entered our, our story in a physical, tangible way. But I like what you were saying there, Russ, because I think some people just view Jesus and, and just place him 2,000 years ago in history. And they see this, he's just kind of, he's, he's back there in history. And, and I kind of, I interact with him like an idea. Um, and, and maybe I might get around to considering maybe what he did, what he said, and, and, and maybe that might have some influence on my life. But then you dig into Colossians one and John one, and to come to see that you're, you're not just considering if Jesus might be a part of your life, you have no life outside of him. <laughs> right. Like right. you live and breathe, your heart beats by a declaration and a, and, and, and a will of his own. Yeah. You know, as you were just saying about him being, you know, the word, right? Who becomes flesh, you know, as we look at the creator of all things, even kind of going into like John 14, where Jesus plainly says, I am the way. I am, right? The truth. I am the life. 
really ties into this because he's not saying I'm, I'm a way. He says, I am, I'm the way. I'm the way to, to life and harmony and joy and peace and purpose and all of these things that you long for as humanity because I'm the one that made you. Yeah. Right? I am like, like I am life because I'm the maker of it. It therefore exists in me. The, the life outside of me is actually just a myth that you bought. The and independent that, you is a myth that yeah. you have gone to. And that Acts 17 passage where, where Paul says, in him we all live and breathe and move and have our being. I remember one of the, one of the things that um, I really awakened to was um, I, used to, I used to view people through a lens of systematic theology and a very particular brand of, of systematic theology. And I used to, I used to see him through the lens of like, just people are separated. They're sinners and they're separated from God and this big chasm and distance and um, between my neighbor who doesn't believe and the God who, you know, who created the world. Yes. Created them. Yes. But Hmm. now he's, he they're separated from him and um they need to they need to believe they need to believe they need to repent in order to have a relationship with him and then you dig into this and you come to find out that although they might not be uh, thinking about him um awakened to him relating to him worshiping him he's very very close to them he's very yeah. very involved in their lives in the most in the most the most crucial, critical, integrated ways he's making, he's, he's, they have animated life. they actually have a bean and they move around and do what they do because mm. God has given them life. And what that did for me was it helped me change. Um, one, I just saw how, like the pursuit of God and his grace and his mercy in people's lives and how he would be so involved um, and it helped me change my, my posture. I even thought about friends that I know that with a lot of vigor and a lot of passion don't believe, and they declare their unbelief and the reasons why they don't believe. And to think that as I've sat there and had those conversations, the very strength, breath, and energy that they declare their unbelief is given by the God who made them and sustains their life and the mercy and the grace in that is just amazing. And that helped me change my perspective and how I relate. So instead of seeing people through a lens of you're separated, um, there's distance between you and God. I saw him through the lens of Colossians one and John one, that God's actually very close to them. He's very near. Yeah. That's definitely, definitely a, a blue square moment, right? Where, where language allowed you to see, allowed me to see has allowed people for right centuries to see to see this reality that's hiding right under our nose so i actually have a question that's like kind of about that the language piece and do either of you guys speak a different language i mean besides at the end of this year i'm gonna know chinese right but i mean (laughs) now i don't okay right i am learning to speak Fortnite though because of my boys (laughs) i uh I shamefully learned all the words that I wasn't supposed to in Spanish. Of course. But yeah. I was in like eighth and ninth grade. Right. Um, yeah, that, uh, I mean, other than that, I, I, I mean, I can speak a little Southern. <laughs> but, okay. But, yeah. uh, 
definitely a different language. <laughs> so, so Russ knows English and some bad words in Spanish, and Tony is at least familiar with English. This and is, I speak Fortnite. Don't and Fortnite, that. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love how he like leaned in on that one. And and I speak Fortnite. <laughs> oh, and 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 don't forget. Well, here's why I ask this: um, is you know, last time we were talking about the power of language and how how language allows us to see a reality that's in front of us that we may not have seen, been able to see before we knew a different language. And uh, one thing that you know, you guys know, but people listening may not, is uh, I spent several years living abroad. Uh, I lived in India for a while, and there's a lot of languages in India. And so while I was there, I picked up a few different, you know, parts of different languages and it was super eye-opening for me. And I feel like I learned a lot just from knowing different languages that were not like built off the same structure as English, right? So things that, that I know and understand now, but I can't fully explain to you using the English language because we don't have words for it. Kind of like, um, uh, what you were talking about last time, Russ, with, uh, what was it? Sobremesa, Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, to roll, got to roll that R though. I didn't, but I I thought Sobre, about it. Mesa. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to leave that for Russ to do. He just did it so well. So my one of my blue square moments, right? Especially when you're talking about Jesus being life, comes from an experience that I had uh, with an Indian language. So I'm giving you all that to tell you this word called dharm. It's D H A R M, dharm. And this word doesn't really have a good English equivalent, uh, but any Hindu or Indian background person knows this word dharm. And it's kind of this cosmic duty, responsibility way of life. And it's all encompassing, right? It doesn't matter what your status in society, doesn't matter your uh, religion or, you know, everybody has a dharm that they just know is part of their life. So I had some friends staying at my house in India and we finished a meal and I would go to like start taking their, their dishes. Right. And I was going to go clean up and stuff. And, and these Indian guys are following Jesus and would not allow me to take their dishes and go clean them up. Hmm. And I was, I was so confused cause I'm the host, right? Like this is my house. I'm going to play host to you. And the comment that was made that just rocked me, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it, was one of the guys goes, no, this is part of my dharm. Mm. That even something so seemingly insignificant, like washing a dish, actually had something to do with him following Jesus. And it was so mind-blowing to me because your dishes in you know the West are not part of your spiritual life. But mm. to him... In that culture, everything is part of following Jesus. Everything in life is connected to Jesus because Jesus is life. Uh, and oh, it, was, wow. it was crazy, man. It, it rocked me. I haven't stopped thinking about it. That was years ago, and I still think about that all the time. Hmm. Such a shift in that, dude. Like When you take like the American mindset into that, a Western mindset, which you probably can find in other places in the world, it's so compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. Right? We think of... I think that's why people, it's so hard for us to grab on, you know, which we'll dig into this in a later episode, just the church being who we are. What I love and what you're bringing up is that, that there's a language in this culture that allows people to, to grab on to not just Jesus is life, 
but all that you do, all that you think, all that you feel, all that you are is all a part of that life that you have in him who is life. Mm -hmm. Everything. And I love that we start the conversation, especially people who train with us, not with missional geometry, hexagons, arrows, shapes, systems, processes, rhythms, um, to-dos, but we start with Jesus. And I think we put so much emphasis on the things that we do, aren't doing, need to be doing, and we have, we, we, we barely take time to pause and consider who God is and what he's done and what he's doing. And by starting here with Jesus is life and that he's a resurrected king who's everywhere, we're going to get into this a little bit more in the next podcast, but when we take our eyes off of ourselves and put them onto him, yeah, I think the, the pressure and the anxiety and the um, sometimes the uh, misplaced ambition goes away and we begin to see him who's integrated into all of life. He's already been right. Loving and present with my neighbors before right. I even met them a year and a half ago. And he's doing something. He's been doing something. He's close. He's near. He's loving them. And I get to, in that view, I get to enter into something that's been going on for a while and not think, okay, cool. Tony's here. What's up? Now God's about to show up and do some cool stuff, which is so foolish if you think about it. You guys feeling me on that? You guys oh, make a sure. dot mm-hmm. connection there with, mm-hmm. with this whole Jesus's life? For sure. Yes, Tony. Um, that's definitely would would be an aha moment but just even taking that a step further in that other point that jesus brings up in john 14 where he, he's not just present with them and he's not just their very life but he's even the very truth that they seek he, he's the he's the chief end of the search right that all that we're looking for all that we're longing for it, it not only comes from him who is life but it finds its very meaning in him who is life it's it's sustained by him who is life it's made true, right, by him who was life. And like a real blue square moment for me was grabbing on, Tony, to what you're talking about right now and just seeing a major shift in how I went about just life and ministry, right, in Jesus. Now I saw people, but even how I saw the scriptures. Uh, I can probably be a guy that can testify to starting out with a life in Jesus and loving him and loving people and then somehow through school and in leadership and church settings, I wound up with a relationship, not with the author, right? But with the text itself, Mm. this idea of just, you know, well, no, 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 man, everything is centered on the word. It's all centered on the word. You know, like we would talk about these things and don't mishear me. I'm not undermining the scriptures or the power of them, but the scriptures are only true because they testify to the truth and the truth has a name. And his name is Jesus. Yeah. And the word, right, is good and it's beautiful because it's all tied into, right, and comes out of and flows from the word. And the word that became flesh has a name. John chapter one. Yeah. His name is Jesus. Yep. And so I love, I love this, this tying all this together that, that when we start to look at like how Jesus describes himself, and says who he is. And then we look at all the things in the epistles that, that are pointing to him as well. We find this direct connection to the word who becomes flesh. 
He was there in the beginning. We can go all the way back to right, Genesis 1. He's there from the beginning. He's the maker, the creator, the sustainer of all things. Therefore, he is the way. Therefore, he is, right, life himself. And he is the truth that we seek. And all of these things find their being in him. And it just, man, it really allowed me to, to slow down and be present in the lives of the people that I love and to trust that he would work in them just as he's worked in me and to point them to him in hopes that they would find relationship, right, with him who is their very life and to find the harmony within that and not find themselves living under the tyranny of trying to take a text and turning it into a God to fix an independent you that never existed in the first place. Hmm. No, that's really good, Russ. I love that. And you actually described probably in a more foundational way what I was describing in my, my first blue square about seeing people through the lens of Jesus, seeing my neighbors through the lens of Jesus instead of a few, instead of a few handpicked scriptures. But it, made, it reminded me of um, another blue square moment that a guy named Jason, who's been tracking with us and a part of our network, training with us um, from near Erie, Pennsylvania. And he's been in his city for a number of years and actually has a huge heart and ministry and relationship with the Wicca community out by him. And I guess they're pretty influential out there. They have a few storefronts um, in, a, in a growing tribe. And Jason's just, for whatever reason, has a heart for them. He's developed a heart for them. And he's um, grown an influence and friendship with a number of people from that community, even some of the more influential people in the community. And the funny thing was when I first met him, he was telling me the story about how all these pastors um, have gotten together and decided that the, this Wiccan community is a problem to solve and not a people necessarily, but a problem. Hmm. And one of them declared and said in a sermon, and I'm not even, I'm not even making this up. They need to be eradicated. Hmm. Wow. And so what's crazy is they, Jason has such a friendship with them that they reached out to him and was like, did you hear about this? And he's like, unfortunately I did. And they were, they started dialoguing with him about it. And Jason was able to just share the reality of who God is um, in the face of this idea that God wants to eradicate them. And it was a, it was a blue square moment for him right away. And we started going through reclaim one. Wow. It was like these pastors are over here saying that these people need to be eradicated. And yet the God who made them, created them, sustains them, gives them breath, makes their hearts beat. He doesn't see it that way at all. Mm -mm. He's actually been patient with them, merciful and loving and gracious yeah. and involved in their lives. And I just thought it was a really, really cool, like connecting dot to that truth and for his story and the people he's reaching out to. It's so cool that Jason is able to, to slow down and be present right in and among these people to be patient with them as those who are very near, right? To Jesus, who is their creator, right? He, who is their life and to point to these truths of, of what, of what God is like through the image of the invisible God. Mm. I mean, it all just kind of goes full circle and there's so many things that we can all go run off into and, and, and chop up into a, a, a myriad of, of conversations and points and postures we need to take and things that we need to do. But I love the beauty of us getting back to the simplicity of, of who Jesus is, how he went about things, 
Mm. Just passing that on, man, as fellow guests at a table, not ushers, not cooks, most certainly not the host, but just a fellow guest at the table Jesus set and say, man, let me tell you about the feast that's been right under our nose our whole lives. Well, guys, uh, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for joining us on this episode. We hope that you found some grace and peace in these things. And hopefully you found some good news, right, to pass on to those that are in and around you. And let us know how you're interacting with this. Let us know. Drop us a line on Instagram. Shoot us a message. Um, head to the website. Shoot us Stop a by Tony's house. Tell Stop him in person. House. Yes. I'll make, you, I'll make you some food. I'll slow down with you. Go to, go to Ryan's. He'll even do the dishes when dinner's over. Un, unless that's part of your spiritual journey. And then you can do the dishes. Amen. Part of my spiritual journey is allowing others to clean up after <laughs> giving them the opportunity. Oh, man. Grace and peace to you. Until next time. <laughs>